Right, there we go. We're live. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Hello. Mm. I'm very good. This is, uh, this, this is, yeah, cheers. This is Sarah, guys. <laughs> so Sarah's living in Australia, but she's from Swansea in Wales. Hi, Sarah. We've just been having a little chat before this. Hello, well, guys. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm a, oh, I think there's a little, yeah, we've got a bit of a delay. Is there a delay? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, that's all good. It's all good. Um, so, yeah, it's 12 in the afternoon here, but I'm having a beer. Sarah's having a glass of wine, and it's what? What time is it with you out there? It's nine o'clock at night. Nine o'clock at night. Mm, nice. So I'm, I'm not keeping you up, am I? No, you're good, mate. And let's be honest, you were drinking green tea before you went and got that beer, mm. but that's okay. Yeah, I know, I know. You kind of, you, you've, you've kind of peer pressured me into this. You, you haven't really, you haven't really. It's just me pre peer pressuring myself into it, I think. But you know, we are all in lockdown, so you know, every day is a uh, is a potential drinking day at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. I thought it kind of came hand in hand with the ideas and beers name, but <laughs> no, <laughs> I tend to forget about that actually. You know, about actually getting a beer beforehand. Um, well, no, thank you for coming on to the podcast today. Um, so, first question, big big Q, which we do, I do at the start every time. Uh, what is the best decision that you've ever made? Um, the best decision that I've ever made would be moving to Australia. Um, yeah it was it's a bit of a strange one because it's something that I always wanted to do so when I was doing my degree I can always remember saying to everyone as soon as I finished my degree I'm moving to Australia and everyone was kind of like why do you want to go to Australia like I didn't really know anyone here at the time um and I hadn't so I had no real reason like why do I want I don't actually know why I want to go I just kind of want to go like I had like a call in I guess um and I remember my mum I I remember your statuses yeah exactly that one that was like in four years time I'm going to be living in Australia like doing my job Mm. there Um, and I remember my mum saying like if you go you're not going to come back and I was kind of like why would you say that like you don't know that I'm going to go for six months see how it is travel around and then I'll probably come home Um, Mm. but I had this call in so as soon as I got here I was like right this is why I wanted to be here this is a bit of me Mm. Do you know, and that's why, as I love about you, this that we're obviously seeing that status. I think you tagged me in it, didn't you? And it was from like, was it four? Yeah, four years ago, five years ago, something like that. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, you, you just you had you had your mindset on it, didn't you? And you've obviously got to that point now where you are doing the job that you were doing that you love doing in the place that you wanted to be. So, mm-hmm. law of attraction. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll come on to that in, uh, in exactly. a second. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold <laughs> on that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I mean, so. What was the when when was the first time you wanted to move to Australia? Like, what what was the you know, the defining moment? If you know what I mean, when did you actually go? Do you know what I really want to go to Australia? And what was the what prompted? I actually it? don't know why I picked Australia. I knew that I wanted to travel, um, hmm. but I don't know why Australia. I think obviously you've seen it on films, and you know that it's quite focused on like outdoors and beaches and all that kind of stuff, and that really resonates with me. Um, I think I just wanted like a sense of freedom, so it didn't really matter to me at the time where it was. I just had been tied to the UK for, since I was aged four with education, like full-time studying since the age of four. I was just craving like a freedom and a change. And I guess Australia is a place that you can have the outdoor lifestyle and the sunshine, but it's also a Western country. So that you don't have to learn a new language. Um, and after mm. doing all the studying that I've done, I was quite keen to not have to study anything else, especially not another language. So 
maybe that was one reason that it resonated with me more than any other place but um mm. it was just freedom i was craving it wasn't necessarily the place itself but this yeah. country is like allowed for that freedom kind of feeling and the sunshine and the sunshine <laughs> yeah so where are you living right now then well i know this but just for the people listening <laughs> no i live in sydney um mm. and i guess like I want to say it's kind of like Swansea, but it's not. That's a big fat lie. But what I mean is it's kind of similar to Swansea in the sense that it's a city and you have like a case of city living. You know, you have like nice bars and cafes and restaurants and good nightlife. Um, but then you also can drive like half an hour out of the city and you're in a national park and you wouldn't you wouldn't have an, any clue that sort of half an hour back to where you came, there's a concrete jungle. Mm. Like you can you can kind of remove yourself from it within half an hour. You know, you can be in a different beach every weekend having travelled only half an hour whether that's on public mm. transport, on foot or in a car, like it's such a diverse city where you can have like a good balance of national parks, beaches and like city life, but obviously with a better climate. So even though like Swansea is really beautiful in that sense and it does allow for all those kind of options as well. It's just hotter and vaster and yeah, very diverse. So that's why I love it. Yeah. Do you know what? That, that's what I love about where we live. Well, you know, where, in Swansea in, uh, in South Wales. You know, we've got the Gower, which is literally 10 minutes yeah. drive or 15 minutes drive from most parts of the, you know, of Swansea. And you're, like you said, you're in a concrete jungle one minute, you know, very urban, you know, 250 to 300,000 people. Uh, and then you drive 15 minutes and you're in the middle of, you know, you're in yeah. the middle of nowhere. There's literally just the beaches, little farms and you know, little, t- little villages and stuff like that. But there's no one. There's not many people down there, uh, especially now with the lockdown as well. Um, uh, yesterday, like I went to go and get my veg down in uh, Park Mill, down in the Gower, and it's like you know, the, the, you know, I used it as my little time to go over to Three Cliffs Bay because it's like ten minute walk from from where I pick it up, and there's nobody. There was nobody there. I mean, there was. I see there was a few people watching, you know, the sunset and you know going in the water and stuff, but not. There, there wasn't many, and they're all from from that area. Um, so it's quite, okay, it's, yeah. and it doesn't tend to get too busy anyway. Certain beaches do in the summer and things, but like, you know, overall the Gower is quite untouched and people don't utilize it as much as they should. But in a sense, that's good because it doesn't get ruined. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In the best of times, it's not that busy, is it? Um, so I can imagine mm-hmm. in lockdown now, it's a lot quieter. I, funnily enough, I still follow Swansea Council on Twitter and I saw a tweet of theirs this morning about people that are planning on visiting the Gower this weekend. Um, there's not going to be anywhere for them to stay, they were saying. So. Yeah. I, I imagine they're going to be on patrol this weekend, so maybe just be mindful. Yeah, they're definitely. No, they will be. I think because uh, that's the problem at the minute, isn't it? People, you know, it's all well and good taking, you know, you know, going somewhere to get a bit of fresh air, getting a bit of exercise and things. But I think what they're trying to avoid is this, you know, is people travelling out of their way um to go to places you know lucky enough i had the excuse of i've got my little veg you know veg box which i you know i pick up every week from down that area so you know i've kind of got a good excuse to go there um but yeah outside of that no i think it's um yeah they're trying to restrict people from going down there um what's yeah. it like in australia i'm not sure if you follow it, Sydney? yeah i was just gonna say that i'm not sure if you see much news or like coverage like about what it's like here and i'll show you at the minute but um Bondi Beach a few weeks ago they had to close it down mm. um, people obviously thought that they were still practicing social distancing by being on the beach and being 1.5 apart but the whole beach was absolutely packed 
I wasn't there, but I've seen this on um, pictures and in the media, but it was the whole beach was packed and they had to actually close the beach. So now all the beaches in the eastern suburbs, which is where I live, um, could you to Bondi, which is like a really famous coastal walk, the several beaches in between are now all closed. There's barriers across, the, it's the weirdest thing, there's barriers across the beach, like people are kind of peering over it um, mm. and just like looking and kind of, you know, reminiscing perhaps times where they could go to the beach and like, oh, I have some sunbathe there. And <laughs> no, it's just, yeah, it's like a different world here. Like I, I see how they the powers that be can close the beach, you know. I have seen that actually that they they've done that. They, weirdly enough, they haven't done that in in UK, but I think they are they've been quite lenient um, in some respects in the UK on how they how they've locked things down. I think they're trying to they they're not trying to not trying to stop people altogether. I think they're just trying to limit the amount of it. That's that's the impression I'm getting. So yeah, I guess like in Wales there's probably less of a chance of people wanting to put their towel down and sunbathe on Swansea Beach in 14 degrees whereas when it's been 30 degree weekend here yeah that's where people just tend to flock to and there was no way of kind of patrolling it there was no way of saying like you know you sit this far apart mm. you don't touch that it was easier for them to just shut it I guess because people weren't being responsible mm. enough yeah I mean Swansea you know it's probably like 13 degrees now and it's really hot for Swansea like, do you know what I mean? That's the that's the difference between the two, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, one of the things um, I was going to talk to you about as well, your job as well. So, what are you um, what are you doing now? And like, what you know, what obviously I know all this, but like, what what got you into the job work that you're doing? What is it that you do now? Um, yeah, cool. So, I am a youth case manager at the minute, which is kind of similar to what I did back in Swansea. Um, so I'm working with vulnerable homeless young people. So I work in a transitional accommodation. Um, so it's 16 to 25 year olds that are um, homeless or experienced in homelessness or at risk of homeless, um, homelessness. Um, they're not quite in crisis. So they've got a, like some stability in their life. So whether they are in education or employment or they have a mental health program, they have like elements of stability. Um, and we just kind of help them to transition from being in a stage of kind of crisis um, into their own more long-term permanent accommodation. So they stay with us for um, up to 18 months. And in that time, we'll support them with whatever their goals are. So it's client-led. So whatever they want support with um, is, yeah, wherever we'll meet them, we'll meet them at that kind yeah. of point. So, um, but yeah, the, the idea is that we don't do everything for them. Like it's transitional. It's semi-independent. We kind of, Mm. Um, may throw things back to young people to do themselves or kind of guide them and steer them in different directions and help them navigate different services um, but yeah mm. the end goal is that they then have their own whether it's another transitional accommodation beyond us or whether it's their own home or private rental um, or like government housing um, we're kind of like the middle people middle people in that that's awesome do you find that in terms of what you're doing there because obviously you've worked in services in Swansea as well I mean, in the UK um, what did you what what do you think is the difference between the two? Like, how do you find the services in the UK versus the services in in Australia? Well, to be honest, when I was working doing something similar in the UK, so like case management, um, it was for the local authority. And there's I don't know whether you know or not, but like local authority organisations with a lot of red tape, a lot of policies and procedures, a lot of guidelines, a lot of a lot of no's basically. Like, no, can't do that, can't do that, can't do that, or a lot of paperwork if you do want to do it. Um, and I don't know whether this is Australia or whether it's because I'm working for a charity which is not for profit. Um, things seem to be 
less strict and less rigid here which I think is a good thing in a way. It doesn't necessarily mean that people aren't, aren't being as professional as they should be or people aren't doing things by the book. It just means that we've got more freedom to do things with our own initiative. If we think something's supportive of a young person, there's less kind of obstacles in the way to, to like get that yeah. done for them. So I, I, I'm preferring the kind of the freedom um, and the initiative that we're allowed to have in, in work here. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, I was going to say, because I think that's one problem I've, found from working in you know similar services in the uk at one point that you have got a lot of these guidelines which you've got a idea to like fair enough they, they you know they, they are required like there's a lot of guidelines a lot of regulations and things that you need to adhere to but um i think it gets to a certain point in certain industries where there's so many um there's so many regulations so many guidelines and things like that that you you're almost um you're almost unable to express the you know your full creativity and, and and try new things essentially you know and try new and in, in, innovative methods especially if you're in uh like a charity for example that's been around for a while perhaps you know they might not be innovating in the same way whereas if it's a new uh, kind of a social project then you you know you've got a bit more flexibility and a bit more freedom to try experiment new things but you're you're still within the uk limited within those guidelines especially if there's funding involved and i think with more social businesses there is isn't there so yeah that's what i was going to say it depends on i guess where your funding comes from would it be in mm. government funded like the, the local authority um Swansea council um they want to see the outcomes they want the outcomes whether they're like qualitative or quantitative like numbers or writing they want to know exactly what you've done where their money's gone and how it's benefited the community which obviously is fair enough they're investing money into it um but mm. obviously with funded with other kind of funding it's not necessarily like ours at the minute isn't currently um outcomes focus like they obviously want us to evidence our outcomes but that doesn't mean that they're going to restrict our funding if we don't meet that outcome they just kind of okay. want to know where we're at it's not it's not like the, the focus of the purpose of us evidencing the outcomes for the funding so d that's what i, I know with, theme, uh, i think is where your funding comes from yeah oh definitely the the one of the pro the project that we've done before was uh, european social funded and now the, the kind of the governing body where we would get the funding, so the way the funding would be filtered to before it came through to the charity and our project. I mean, I'm not sure if it was the, the European social you know, or the European um, guidelines or if it was our kind of governing or, or overarching body that was uh, putting the restrictions in place. But either way, you know, to, just to sign somebody up, you know, you're talking a booklet about that thick just to you know just, just to sign somebody up on the project in the first place and it, it, it the amount of paperwork we were doing it really took it away from what you, what we were there to do which was to help people with substance misuse and or mental health get back into work you know and, and to gain skills and things like that and eventually uh, transition back into normal life if you like and we I, I really didn't feel like we were doing that um and I think that was a mass, massive part of that was the fact that it was European social funded. Whereas I know with the big lottery fund, there's different projects in, you know, in the UK, which are big lottery funded and the paperwork they've got is like one sheet or something like that. And then the rest is more, um, more of a holistic approach, more of a physical approach where you're actually, you know, you're utilizing your resources to not, not necessarily to gain outcomes, but to, to you know, or, or to pay for outcomes, but to actually help people you know to do what you're saying that you're going to you know to do what you say you're going to do if that makes any sense yeah it does and it's actually quite depends. hard to 
yeah on the funding yeah for sure I totally agree uh, it's kind of hard as well to like evidence outcomes when it comes to people um mm. you know to put it into like quantitative data where it's just figures to evidence how someone has done in a number it's almost like it's not really as valuable as it could be anyway like you know how do you measure whether someone's feeling more confident or not do you just ask them or can I write down and say well this person demonstratively shows that they're more confident a lot of funding mm. wants to see it in the numbers like they're yes. this they were this number and now they're this number when really that's not that's not like evidence in the actual outcome because I saw them do this and I also heard them have that conversation and they've also now gone on to do this and that's how I know oh you want it in a number oh okay well maybe you're four like it doesn't really do it any justice no it, and it takes away it takes it away from a humanistic approach and I think do you know yeah. what this is something that I've, I've brought up before you know in different contexts um you know it, is that you can't always record the data, the way that, you know, the, the, it doesn't necessarily mean that people aren't moving forward with whatever area you're trying, they're trying to go into, whether or not, like, let's say somebody was trying to, you know, build up their skill set so they can go into work, you know, they can be building up their skill set just by, you know, researching things online or by, you know, reading different articles, by, you know, trying new things. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be like an accredited qualification. Like, don't get me wrong, to put it on your CV in that respect, yeah, you know, you do need accreditations, but at the same time it doesn't mean that they're not upskilling and it doesn't mean that they're not moving forward in the right direction and i think those are the things that are difficult to really to evidence on you know when, when you're talking about figures i think it just there's a lot of organizations out there which uh, are so kind of consumed by getting the outcomes that they don't really think about what it is that we're really there to do in the first place which is to help people in most cases yeah, for sure. It's like the soft outcomes that are the ones that are harder to evidence, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, one one of the other things going off on a bit of a tangent from from that as well, I was going to talk about um, is uh, being vegan. So, how long have you been vegan for? Oh. Now? <laughs> um, it would probably be, I think it's like four years now. It was Easter, yeah. So it's like four years now, yeah. Mm. I was vegetarian was it, for a long so, time before that. Was it was when you first moved to Australia, was it? <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I think when I travelled Asia, um, before I got here for about three months, I wouldn't I don't really know what I would call myself. I was really trying not to eat meat. Um purely because I didn't like eating it anyway, but also because the look of it when you see you've seen that it's been on a stall for you know, 24 hours covered in flies is not really appealing anyway. Um, but there was many a time where I'd ask for just a cheese sandwich or something because um, I was just vegetarian mm. at the time and, and they'd, they'd be like, yeah, sure, no worries. And then you'd see them put the bread on this um, kind of stove right next to this bacon that they're cooking and all this bacon fat's going all over my bread and you're just kind of like, because <laughs> you kind of had to turn a blind eye when you're there. Like if you, if you, with that particular and and didn't want fish sauce in all your curries and you didn't want a bit of meat fat on your bread you in my own experience anyway yeah, I would have really struggled and I would have probably lived off white rice so I definitely mm. would have had to turn a blind eye to all back then but now I'd um I'd say I've well I know I have I've like fully transitioned if you want to if you want to put it like what that part of, uh, I was gonna say what part of Asia was it that you were in where you were having the issues and you know, where that was happening for most of Asia was it yeah well we, yeah it was thailand um because we went to quite regional areas so like north thailand 
um, and did like a few jungle treks and stuff like that. You, we, we literally did a homestay where you're staying with this family. You cannot speak a mm. word of English and there's no way you're communicating to them. Like, don't put fish sauce in that curry and, you know, don't mm. mix that meat. And I, I, sorry, no, 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 I don't want that, please. And, you know, there would just be mm. no way of like kind of communicating that to them. And I feel like maybe, maybe it would have been a bit rude to do that when they're like yeah. having you in their home. I don't know. I probably would mm. challenge things more so now, but back then I was kind of in more of a freedom mindset and I was just, yeah, quite happy to turn a blind eye to it at that point, but maybe Going I with the flow. <laughs> yeah. So what, how do you, how do you feel since you've done it? Like, was it better, you know, obviously when you were like a lot of people, including me, cause I was, I went vegan for about a year and a half, I think. Um, when yeah, I first time? did it, I remember that. Time. <laughs> I, know. I know I'm back to the dark side now. Um, <laughs> like the first like no, the no, first no. couple of weeks I noticed that you know I noticed like a lot a big difference in myself in that sense I felt like a lot lighter I felt like um you know I, I, I it wasn't so much I lost strength but I felt like my kind of aerobic uh, capacity so my cardiovascular system improved in the sense that you know my recovery was probably better with my running and things like that um you know eventually when I did lose a bit of weight from it not massive amounts but you know, lost a little bit from it. And I think that was just due to the fact that I wasn't eating uh, as many dense foods. So my calorie intake, uh, calorie intake went down, but I found that my running and kind of that those sorts of aerobic exercises went really good. Like yoga, for example, I found that really, you know, really beneficial and really easy to get into. Whereas like before I was kind of, I had a lot more muscle, which probably wouldn't have, I, I might not have been as good with it. I don't know. But so that I, I found it was, a, a, you know, bit of a difference at the start and you know but obviously I wasn't as uh, strict on it as what you probably are now so what what how do you find how do you feel like you've been um I have definitely definitely noticed the difference like in my energy levels um my mood like loads like all the kind of generic stuff that you hear like you know I've got so much more energy now it's, I just think it was quite mm. like um it was almost like a stereotype like if you're vegan you have way more energy and I was always a little bit skeptical of it but it's definitely a thing the only thing I can say on that is the same time that I went vegan I actually started going back to the gym again after having traveled for six months so I hadn't been working out properly properly and I yeah. also moved to Australia so for me to just say it's purely just because I'm vegan that I now love getting up in the mornings I now have way more energy I'm the yeah. fittest and the strongest that I've ever been it could be like due to the fact that it's sunnier and the sun comes up earlier and it's brighter and you know the sky's blue most days that makes me feel like happier and like better about getting up um and it could also be due to the fact that I started going back to the gym that I'm you know my fittest and strongest but it, I, I feel like it would be doing it a disservice to say that it's nothing to do with being vegan because it definitely definitely is I I was never a morning person in the UK when I lived there before I was vegan ever um and now I'm just around <laughs> for being up and out early early doors do you know what? I think the the sunshine really does that. Like, um, I think that's the benefit of living in a climate like in Australia. I've always I've always said this. You know, in the winter months, I really do struggle uh, mentally and and physically as well. Like, I don't feel like I've got as much. I've always got a lot of energy, but I think, like you said, starting up in the morning is always a problem for me in the winter months. Whereas in the summer, I could probably go to bed three, four in the morning. I'll still wake up at seven, eight in the morning, and I'll probably feel quite rejuvenated. I'll feel I won't feel like I need any more sleep because my body's kind of still waking up naturally with the, you know, the sunlight coming in through the window and things like that. So I, I get, I get that completely. I mean, with, um, 
what do you think is the hardest part about being vegan? Other people's shit. <laughs> In all honesty, like other people, um, that's, that's genuinely it. Like I think the first, maybe the first year you kind of spend walking around supermarkets, picking things up off the shelf, looking at it, seeing that it's got milk powder sprinkled on it and realizing you can't eat it and putting it back, picking something else that realizing the same. So you spend the first year kind of picking up items, checking it, realizing you can't have it, putting it back. But once you know, you know. I can now go yeah. around a supermarket quite mindlessly, not really paying too much attention, knowing what I need, knowing what I can have, taking it, shopping, mm. going home. I know everything in my fridge I can eat. I know everything in my cupboards I can eat. So I don't really have to think about it too much. But that first yeah. year is, you get a lot of funny looks from security who are like, why is this crazy woman picking up all this stuff and just putting it back and walking around the store for an hour? Like, what is mm. she doing? Um, mm. But once you know, you know. I guess when you go to other people's houses and you don't know like the stuff in their house whether the stuff in their house is vegan or not like you know you go over friends and they're like do you want some cereal and you're like oh well, let me just let me just check it you, like for them it then seems like it's a really big task and you have to check all this stuff all the time but for me I don't even think about what I'm doing at home anymore I just cook and eat and it's just like it's quite normalized you know yeah that I think I know exactly what you mean it, it's surprising how quickly you adjust to that I think like you know you said about how you initially have to check everything that you go through and stuff like that. Uh, I thought that was going to be a much bigger task than it actually was. Like when I started doing it, it was like, you know, you do it and you realize, you do start to realize, oh shit, there's so many things that I can't actually have here. But yeah, why is there milk powder in these crisps? This is not necessary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's stuff like that. But then also you start to realize that when you eat, the I think you're, you're diet diversifies almost because you start eating these different types of foods that you've never really tried or thought to try but then they turn out to be actually really nice and like people used to say oh like what do you actually eat what do you actually eat then when you're, you're vegan and i used to be like i eat a lot like i eat more like more you know uh, varieties of food now than i ever did like if i went to a restaurant before i used to just go there and order the biggest steak that i could i could get or mix grill or something like that and that would be the case right the way through any restaurants that I'd go to. Whereas when I went vegan, like you said, I was um, I was diversifying. So I'd go in there, I'd look at the menu, and see what I can eat, first of all. And then I'd probably, nine times out of ten, I'd try the most obscure thing that was on the menu. You know, like, just if it sounded weird and it was vegan, I'd give it a go. Um, but I enjoyed it. I actually really enjoyed it. It was like, I think... The, the, the struggle for me was I had two marathons in a month last year in 2019. Um, so yeah, and, and I had a lot of stuff going on as well with work and I was running a business at the time and stuff like that. And it was, it was just not, I was like contradicting what I was trying to achieve from being vegan in the first place, which was, you know, the health element. So but what, what, what is your, what's the main reason you did it? Like obviously, cause there's, there's three really, isn't there? There's the health, the animal aspect and the, environmental aspect and a lot some of them cross over and stuff what would you say is the kind of the main driver for you i've never really thought about just one um mm. all three the way it started was yes yeah, probably all three but the way that it started was when i was doing my degree um like coming towards the end of it i would procrastinate i'm the worst the world's worst procrastinator i will do anything mm. to avoid what i'm supposed to be doing and so i found like lots of documentaries on netflix about animal rights and animal welfare and that kind of thing. Um, and once you watch that shit, there is no going back. So maybe it stemmed from animal rights. Like I've always been a big animal lover and I never want to cause anyone harm, whether it's a person, whether it's an animal, whether it's a pet or whether, you know, whether it's domestic or not. 
Um, and yeah, I feel like maybe once I watched that, there was no going back. And then you kind of just start to learn more from it. You're like, um, you know, I don't want to hit animals, but also, oh, you know, I am doing the planet good. Or why am I doing the planet good? Um, mm. you, you just kind of like dive into it more. Oh, it is healthy to be vegan. Is it? I thought I was, you know, going to get really low iron and go really pale and look unwell. Like it's actually healthy. Oh, and then you kind of like, you, you open like all these different cans of worms. And now I feel like all of them inform my decision to be vegan. And it's quite nice to have three solid pillars as to why you have made this choice rather than just because you like animals and you really care about them, which obviously is a valid reason in itself. But the fact that yeah. there's now three other aspects to it that resonate with me I'm like this is a solid decision that I made yeah it reinforces your own your, your own yeah. decision in the matter doesn't it so yeah it, I think that's kind of what I found when I, I I did it so like I said the initial thing was was my own health because I knew that you know I, I knew that there was some kind of long-term negative you know negative connotations with you know um prolonged meat consumption and things like that um you know in, in some respects not all you know i mean it depends on where you get it from things like that but like for the most part it's probably that it is better to be on a plant-based diet i think they've proven that now to you know to a big extent of me but um i think that was the key element for me with you know with health was to, you know to, to do it that way but then naturally like you said the other two elements started to come into it as well i started to go well you know what actually like this is making a positive environmental impact to a certain extent you know no matter how small whereas and then also on top of that then you've got the the animal aspect as well like like i said naturally i've gone back now to uh to eat in like you know the variety of food but my meat consumption is definitely like you know i'd say 10 times lower than what it ever was before i i went vegan in the first place um i think you know a lot of it is just because of just being more conscientious about it and when i'm actually thinking about the food that i'm eating i'm thinking well do you know what I'd rather have something which doesn't contain an animal now and again rather than, than, than every single time, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're definitely right in what you were saying earlier as well around eating more creatively. Um, if anyone's ever eaten a block of tofu, they'll know that if you don't do something good to that, it's going to taste like shit. So it definitely mm -hmm. encourages you to be more creative with how you cook your food. Like normally people that eat meat, you'll have your vegetable as a side piece and your meat's like the main piece that you put all your love and attention into. Whereas if you take that away and you don't do anything different to your vegetables, you know, your meals aren't gonna be that great. So you have got to learn to be a lot more creative with, with what you've got, with like whether it's yeah. beans, lentils, vegetables, you know, microprotein. Definitely encourages mm. you to be more creative and to try different things as well. The vegan options are normally like, some strange plant that you've never heard of or some strange vegetable that they've roasted <laughs> and tastes bloody wonderful. But yeah. Have you, do you supplement with it as well? Yeah, I do. Um, I apparently have good stock, uh, good stores of B12. Don't really know what that means. Right. Don't know how I manage that. Um, mm -hmm. but whenever I've had my blood done, they've always said my B12's been good, but I do take it anyway, just in case. Um, yeah. and I do supplement iron as well i have had low iron previously um yeah. other than that i don't i take multivitamins but other than that there's nothing there's no other kind of nothing oh, special. sometimes probiotics yeah b12 iron they're kind of the, the ones that are commonly associated with being vegan that you're most likely to be deficient yeah. in yeah i think well i was going to say yeah b12 is the big one methyl b12 is supposed to be you know uh even better again um just because of the interaction it has with the brain i believe um but i'm not entirely not you know it's mm -hmm. worth looking into that with the methyl b12 but yeah i've um 
I've been I've been supplementing with B twelve for a while. I think there was something I I was watching. I can't remember if it was the it might have been the debunk between um, the guy who done the game changers um, film or documentary and Chris Cresser the with Joe Rogan on the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm yeah, pretty sure they I said there well. that they were saying. Yeah. Yeah, they were saying that most people, even if you do eat meat, uh, a lot of the time you are deficient in B12 or somewhat deficient in B12. So it's just easy to take a supplement in the first place. So I've like um, I, I've been supplementing with B12 for a while. Um, vitamin D3 and K2, uh, vitamin C and zinc, which is especially important now with everything that's going on and building up your healthy immune system and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I supplement quite a few different things, <laughs> but uh, I find that it, it with does B12, help. With B12, I. Oh, it's good that you see a difference as well. I can definitely tell if like my iron is a bit low, like you'll you'll definitely feel that one. With the B12, um, I've read some iron, obviously don't quote me on this, but the animal, like cows, for example, they're actually supplemented B12 anyway, because they're not actually living in their natural habitat anymore. They're not actually, you know, living in a field. They're, you know, kind of farmed in sheds and whatever. They're not actually getting the B12 from the ground, they're supplemented it. So we're just basically cutting out the middle person by supplementing it yourself rather than getting it from the cow, which has had it supplemented to them anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's right enough. That's true. Um, well, in terms of Australia, like, is there, because I know you've said about, you've just had a Domino's actually, haven't you? So uh, with the Domino's out in Australia, they cater for vegans and vegetarians, whereas in UK they don't. Yeah. So is there, like, is there a lot more people in Australia that are vegan? You know, is there a lot more re- like restaurants in the UK? What, what what's the what's the climate like for uh, for us out there? It's actually unreal. Um, I'm not gonna lie. There is so so much choice. When I first went um, vegan out here, obviously, which was four years ago, it was very different. Um, you'd be lucky to find a block of tofu in a store. It was a lot harder. A lot like it wasn't really much as much spoken about. It wasn't like a thing back then. It's quite a, like a phase or a fad at the minute almost. Um, yeah. And I'm so grateful that there's all these people jumping on this bandwagon because it now means that I've got burgers that actually taste like burgers. Um, but yeah, it's very different to how it was when I first began, but in, in a good way. There's so much choice. There's not, there's not a place um, that I've been to out to eat um, that yeah. have not had something on the menu or not been more than happy to make something up. Most of the time they've got one or two choices that are actually vegan on their menus anyway, whether it's a pub, whether it's a burger place, whether it's a pizza place, mm. Italian, like you name it they've they've got it on the menu and if they don't and they're always so so accommodating and the chef will be like yep, yep i'll make something up for you no worries so really really lucky in that sense when i've been back to the uk i've seen it it's quite different other than a greg sausage roll um mm. yeah it doesn't really seem to be oh nando's as well nando's is doing quite good at the minute but yeah it doesn't it doesn't seem to be as kind of with the time in that sense as it is here in australia Okay, yeah, I was going to say, that is interesting. I think, yeah, they, they, they're definitely becoming more accustomed to it in the UK. Uh, but like you said, I think it does, from what you just said to me, it does seem like there's a lot more that is catered for, for vegans and vegetarians in Australia. But, uh, hmm, interesting. <laughs> okay, um, going, moving on to the next one, which we did touch upon earlier. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring up with you, the law of attraction. Um, so... Obviously, you're you're kind of a big, uh, big proposer, well, big user of the law of attraction. Would that be the right way to say it? Yeah, user, whatever mm. you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess like 
when, when's on. the first time you kind of sorry i was gonna say when's the first time you realized or whether when's the first time you used um the kind of law attraction we came fairly familiar with it and thought actually this is you know this you know there's something here the first time i think it would be when i was doing my degree and i was absolutely adamant that i wanted to get a first mm. i can remember saying like i really want to get a first i really want to get a first i really want to get a first and even though there was like lots of things that came up along the way that may have meant that I wasn't going to get it I was still in my mind kind of determined and even though in, in the back of my mind there was still a niggle it was like oh you probably you know after doing the math haven't got enough points I was still like no no, no like you, you need this you're going to get this you're going to get this um and then when I got it I was like oh that's, that's quite interesting like the numbers were kind of saying that you weren't going to but somehow you did um yeah so maybe that was the the first time and then from that I've kind of just told myself I always get what I want and not in like a, a spoiled that kind of way it's just like whatever I have focused my energy and my attention on or whatever I've worked really hard for I have genuinely yeah. always always got it yeah okay I would and obviously Australia as well is uh, is one of those things from just the status that you've tagged me in on Facebook before now obviously you say you want you know in four years time I'm going to be in Australia doing the job that I love and thing you know and stuff like that and I think that in itself is is the use of the law of attraction, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's your focused thought and the energy you've put in a specific direction that's got you to where you are now. Mm -hmm. There was another time, well, I always write things down. So I've got multiple journals, but I always write things down that I want as if I already have them. So okay. um, when I first got to Australia and I hadn't been to the gym and I wasn't feeling very great about myself, I'd write down... Um, I'm feeling amazing in my own skin. You know, I'm feeling really amazing in my body. I, I am a permanent resident of Australia because obviously, you know, we've been trying to get permanent visas and stuff. Um, and I can remember writing down um, before I got with Lawrence, who's my partner now, I am Lawrence's girlfriend. And this was um, mm -hmm. when we just met. You know, he was going back to Scotland. I was staying here. We, you know, we were just friends. But I just kind of wrote that down because that was obviously what I wanted at the time, even though there'd been no discussions mm -hmm or even any kind of logical way how that would work out um and then two years on from that you know we somehow it's all just kind of happened and he moved back to australia and now i am his girlfriend and i remember when i we got together and i looked back at that book where i'd written that down and i was like because i'd forgotten and i was like shit i wrote yeah. that down and i really wanted that at that point and i think that's mm. one of the keys to um attracting what you want is to write it down mm. as if it's already happened and kind of imagine in your mind what your life will be like if that that thing that you want to happen is happening like how will you how will you feel how will you be acting what what kind of things would you be saying what might your life look like if you have what you are saying that you want like those are the yeah. you have to feel it it's all good and well writing it down which i definitely think helps you really have to put yourself in you as if you have what you want if that makes sense yeah it makes perfect sense that's amazing and how do you know that you're would you say that you know that you're on the right path in some sense when you're doing doing a certain thing? Not when you write it down or when you, you know, you you think about it. But how would you know that you're on track to getting the certain thing that you said you want, for example? Um, we I think we've spoken about this quite a lot, haven't we? About synchronicities. Mm -hmm. We've definitely spoken about them a lot. Um, for me, yeah. and I've done like I've I've read things about this, and this is where this has come from. This isn't something that I've just made up myself. But for me, um, if I feel if I am on the right track and things are going in the direction that they should be in my life in all areas, things called synchronicities happen. Um, kind of hard to explain. The only way that I can put it is like it's something that's 
seems too good to be a coincidence. So you're singing a song in your head and then the next minute it comes on the radio. You've just been speaking about a person that you haven't seen in ages and then the next minute they phone you. Um, yeah. You've been thinking, um, I don't know, you've been thinking that you haven't received this email that you've been waiting for and you look at your emails and then it's all of a sudden there. Like they can just be quite insignificant but it gets to the point where when they're happening so frequently you kind of start to question like what's going on. So for me, when I know my life is on track, they are happening frequently. I am noticing them. And it's kind of like a little nudge to say like, you're on the right track, you've got this. If they stop happening, I'm probably not on the wrong, I'm probably not on the right track. And I'm probably gonna start to evaluate or question like, maybe I need to change something, um, something's kind of not right here. And it doesn't even have to be in like a woo-woo kind of way. It doesn't even have to be in like a really kind of spiritual thing. Whatever you focus your energy on and your attention on, your brain is naturally going to look for things to confirm what you're already thinking and what you're already believing. So if you're saying to yourself, I want to get a first in my degree, naturally your brain is now thinking, get first, get first, work hard on this assignment. Whereas if you're saying, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail, your brain is going to be closed off for like opportunities that are going to be open for you to maybe go to an extra tutorial, receive support from a friend because you're like, nah, I'm going to fail anyway. So it doesn't even necessarily mean like, you know, there's this mighty energy that's going to like support you to get what you want. It's literally your brain is going to support you to get there as well. So you can kind of look at it from two perspectives. I definitely like to apply both. Um, but for some, yeah, for some people that don't really kind of like the spiritual side of things, there's a psychology behind it as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think you, you said that obviously there that we've, we have spoke about this a few times <laughs> and I've definitely, I, since, since you've told me about it, like I picked up on a lot of things, definitely, you know, in terms of synchronicity, I think one of the ones for me is, um, I, you know, you, I think you said it, you touched upon it just now. It's like you, you think about a certain person and then boom, they, you get a call from them or something along those lines. And that, 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 that's one of the main ones that I found in terms of synchronicity. It just seems to, yeah, it just seems, things just seem to flow quite nicely. And yeah, there's a lot of, um, de, not deja vu, but like, yeah, coincidences, if you say. So I think that's what synchronicity is. Mm. It's a coincidence. It's a meaningful coincidence, isn't it? And uh, since you've told me about it, yeah, I've definitely been a lot more kind of conscious about those those little situ you know those little situations, those little things that happen when I go, oh, that's mad. Actually, I was just thinking about that person, or I was just you know I was just going to call this person. Um, me and a friend actually during this like um, the, this lockdown, like you know he, we've like I've messaged him and he's gone he's gone. Oh, that's mad. I was just going to message you saying that right now, um, and that's happened like three times with the same person you know, uh, with, with, you know, about talking about certain things, you know what I mean? Like we wouldn't really, I, I don't know. It was, th there's just been a couple of synchronicities like that, but those are, those are the sort of things you're talking about. But you, I know you've told me loads of different ones that, um, that has, that's happened to you. Um, I'm sure there was one in an air, airport in Asia or something along those lines. For me, it's normally if I've asked for a sign. So, um, again, mm. it's quite like a, a woo -woo kind of spiritual thing, but if there's something, yeah there's probably science behind it as well but if there's something that I'm trying to make a decision on I'll normally say mm. right okay um if if this is the right job for me then I'll give you one example of something that happened so if this I was trying between two jobs I was in one job I was thinking about moving to another and I asked okay if moving to this other job is the right thing to do um I want a sign and then I always go always 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 with the first thing that comes into my mind and for some reason it was the Titanic and I was like, right. okay, if this is the right job, then I'll see the Titanic. Um, yeah. so I, bit, like, I didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, and I remember going into the job that I was currently in 
the next day and I was sat next to a colleague of mine who was on the phone and she's speaking to a client and she's like, yeah, uh, so yeah, I'm from Southampton and that's where the Titanic's from. And I was like, oh. I was like, that's a bit weird. And I was like, hmm, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, that could be the sign, but it's not really enough. Like, I, I don't know yeah. if, I'm a bit skeptical. So I was kind of like, oh, that could be it. On the train home the same day, I'm asked, I sat opposite someone else and they started speaking about work and they were like, God, it's like when they're playing, it's like, it's like that scene when they're playing the violin, when the ship's sinking on the Titanic. So it was the second time in the same day that mm. the Titanic had been mentioned after the first time me being really skeptical. So I was like, okay, I think I should move jobs, move jobs. Mm. And I was so glad that I did because four months later, the job that I was in at the time, so the old one, um, it went bust and everyone, it got shut down and everyone lost their jobs. Um, and I actually ended up having like a lot more successes in other ways in, in the job that I went to. So those are like yeah. kind of things it's like, it's not necessarily a synchronicity, but it's kind of like a little nudge. Like this is, this is what you asked for. There it is. Make, yeah. make the move. Do you know what this, I'd love to know. I'd love, I'd love to find out more of more instances where this has happened. Actually, if there's anyone listening to this and you've had similar instances, can you please get in touch with us and like, let us know. Cause I'd really yeah. love to know more about, uh, about those little, um, synchronicities or those little nudges uh at the universe yeah, for sure and i think <laughs> one thing with them is like because it's always good to tell people whatever you your sign that you've asked for is because there's been so many instances where i've like asked for a sign and it's happened and no one knows anything about like the why this song means so much to me say it was a song that i've asked for as my sign and i'm kind of walking around like oh, it's my song it's the song the song's come on and like there's no one that i can <laughs> tell because no one cares because they're like what do you mean you asked this song like it's always good to like have someone that knows what your sign is so you can then text them and be like oh my god the song has just come on because they kind of never have as much meaning to other people as they do to you because you've asked for it mm. but even when you have got a friend to text and tell they're still they're kind of like oh that's cool but for you you're like wow like that's amazing i thought of this song and it's song <laughs> come on like it always resonates more with you but if someone's got like maybe some scientific evidence behind it as well like I've read quite a bit of science on how it happens rather than it just being the universe that's kind of giving you these signs and um yeah mm. send us some links because I'm always keen to to read and you know see different perspectives on things as well I love that there's the, I, I definitely I want to know more about those if, if there's anyone listening please let me know let, let us know your stories um because I, I definitely want to hear more of those um what, what do you think about the situation we're in at the moment now as well like with uh with with the uh the coronavirus the c word um what do you oh, think we did so long we did like half an hour without speaking I about know, it i know i know well we're, we're going to talk about it in a positive sense though so let's talk about yeah, of course. what do you think and we have spoken about this briefly already haven't we um outside of this podcast but what do you think that people should be doing now you know what what you know what what should we all be kind of striving to achieve in this in this time not necessarily tangible things but just you know mentally physically spiritually or whatever what should we be you know doing right now um and what do you think is going to come after this yeah good question yeah um i guess like <clears throat> it's hard to speak so broadly isn't it because mm. like people like you and i we kind of take things like this as an opportunity to either channel our energies into something that we've been really wanting to focus on or to just yeah. rest and reset and reflect and take the time to just kind of go inwards a little bit um so i kind of just want to acknowledge that like maybe not everyone is in a position where when the world is in a global pandemic that they're able to kind of you know start the business or um mm. you know do their home workout for some people this is an extremely anxiety provoking kind of time 
um yeah. and if that's how you're feeling and that's where you're at then you take the time to kind of do whatever you feel is right whether that's to talk to people whether that's to not talk to people whether that's you know, to binge on Netflix, like no one should be feeling guilty for what they feel is the right thing for them to do in this time because everyone is coping with it differently. And it's definitely, as I said, it's extremely anxiety provoking and quite concerning for a lot of people that maybe aren't able to sit in a place of gratitude with these kind of things. Um, yeah. I guess for me, um, it is just more about like resetting, reflecting and recharging. Like I, I was saying to you before, obviously we started the podcast. I'm such a busy person. I'm constantly on the go. And it's not necessarily that I'm people pleasing, but I've got a lot of friends that I love to give my time and my energy to. And yeah. Lawrence, my partner, is always saying, like, just chill. Like, why don't you just have a chilled evening? And even though sometimes I would kind of like to do that, um, I don't like to let people down. So now having the most valid excuse in the world, like in the whole world, this excuse is valid. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm now able to say, like, no, I'm not. Not that anyone's asking me to do stuff now, but it's just nice to not have that guilt. Yeah. around like not, not doing things with people so I'm just taking the time to to read to bake to do some yoga to do some silly home workouts to tag my friends in pointless pictures on Facebook and get them to share <laughs> it to drink copious amounts of wine to do the board games um to do the writing yeah like that kind of stuff that is the stuff that I probably don't give enough time to that I'm really grateful that I am now able to give more time to and I think you, you've hit the nail on the head there. There's a lot of people are, there, there's a lot of stuff floating around that people are, you know, and people are saying like, oh, you should use this time to, you know, upskill yourself or you should, you know, learn something new, learn a new language or this or that or whatever. And don't get me wrong, it is, it's a great time to, to do those sorts of things because now we've got more spare time than, than we've ever had realistically. But at the same time, not everybody is inclined that way other people you know some people don't want to learn a new language some people don't want to um you learn how to code a computer for example or things like that other people just want some time like you said for like (laughs) self-reflection for like self-reflection um you know to work on themselves physically you know to actually to even sometimes people have been working like maybe two or three jobs or something like that you know in, in in some instances whereas now they're kind of forced to to not do that and they've realized perhaps that a lot of the worries they might have had beforehand they're not they're not as present or they or they haven't like the world hasn't ended by everything that's that's going on and they've been forced to slow down i know for me personally i've been forced to slow down and i thought that was going to be crazy for me i thought i was going to be going, you know, climbing the walls and stuff like that but um you know i've been keeping myself fit physically uh been getting a lot of sunshine i've been you know like i said i've, I've gone to the the beach you know well you know once or twice or whatever um so i've you know i've been i've been doing these things that yeah i do i, I would do them otherwise but I've almost cut out all of the stuff in my schedule, which was not really serving a purpose for me. And I've kind of realized that now. And I think you've hit the nail on the head by just saying, you know, don't necessarily feel guilty for not learning something new or being massively productive with this time. You know, sometimes it is just about taking time to spend time with the family, appreciating the things that you've got in your life already and practicing gratitude for those things. Um, I think if nothing else, that's the, probably the main thing you can do in this time is really just appreciate the fact that you've got, you know, a house that that's something I said the other day, the first thing, you know, within a couple of days, really, of this all happening and me working from home, I thought about something I was the main one main main thing I was grateful for, which I never really thought about before, which was just having a home 
where you know I'm able to haul up you know stockpile resources or and food and things like that and and stay away from the world outside and what's going on outside and I've never really thought about that until this point yeah I guess like kind of moving on to your next part of the question which was around what might the world look like after this I imagine with the amount of time that we've got people will definitely be doing some reevaluating, and maybe that's in line with like who you've chosen to live with you know if you're yeah. living in a share house or you know if you were the partner that you're not extremely happy with like uh, living with your parents like you know no matter who you live with people are probably going to be reevaluating. you know their yeah. energy was really negative when I was home with them a lot and you know I, I think maybe I should should move on or it was a very chaotic energy or um, it was just very misaligned um there's going to be like a lot of reevaluating who people live with perhaps like the the kind of clothing choices that we've made at the minute there's going to be a lot of comfort clothing being purchased and lived in and you know is the, all the fancy clothing and the expensive branded items kind of really worth your investment when at the minute we're not even able to, to flaunt it or whatever um the food that you've got hold, in your hold fridge that and like hold that thought i've got to knock on the door hang on <laughs> apologies that's all good welcome back no my father couldn't uh, get in the house he left his key so apologies for that <laughs> <laughs> I know <laughs> yeah so I carry on you were saying about what you think is going to come afterwards yeah um yeah who you live with um like I want I I'm like I'm kind of a big fan of like people and how people might behave and and how um yeah just how they may behave after all this is blown over and will it you know will people be breaking up will there be more divorces will there be a baby boom um, you know, are people going to reevaluate who they live with? Are people now considering like the, the kind of homes that they've created? And is it a safe space? Is it a nice space that you want to be in? Or is it just somewhere that you kind of created to sleep in because you, you spend most of your time at work? Are people now going to try and like make their homes look different? Are people now more like mindful of the food that they keep in their house because it's all too easy to just go to your cupboard and eat all the junk that you've been hiding in there when you're working from home and you're trying to procrastinate from work? Um, yeah, like I'm just so keen to see like all the statistics around mm. people and behavior beyond this. Like it's all good and well having the fancy car, but now you can't even really drive it anywhere without getting pulled over. Like will people start <laughs> to value different things now that they have more time on their hands and now that like priorities are kind of different? Yeah, I, I personally, I think that it's going to go to, in some respects, I think we're going to go to a post-World War II kind of mindset. So I can't remember I spoke to about this before, but they were telling me, you know, that inherently, you know, like, we, you know, we are probably not as good with money as our like grandparents are. You know, our grandparents were inherently a lot better with money. They would save money, um, you know, and, and they, they, they just, they were a lot better in many respects than what we are now. We kind of go out, we'll spend food on, you know, uh, sorry, spend money on food. Um, in different like fancy cafes, like, you know, a couple of days a week or things like that, or we'll, we waste, we're quite wasteful in that sense. I think whereas our grandparents, post-World War II, they were a lot more um, reservative. So they would keep their kind of, you know, they, they'd keep a pool of money aside uh, as best they could in many respects to, you know, just for kind of shit happens purposes and stuff like that. Whereas a lot of people in our generation, I don't think they, that we do that as much as what we should. So I think this has probably given a lot of people a nudge 
in into that direction now to think you know what actually you know we we should probably put some money aside or we should get insurance for you know for our loss of earnings and things like that and you know and, and just looking in that area i know somebody who's an insurance broker now and he's been inundated with people um you know inquiring about insurance because of everything that's going on and i think people yeah, are gonna i didn't even really think about the money side of things you're so right yeah and, and you know what, people, even myself, right, were so kind of, you know, didn't really think that we could lose our job. You know, even if you think that you're in a very, very safe job, um, I think this has really forced people in all industries to look at it and go, do you know what, actually, are we really this, you know, that safe? It only takes X, Y, and Z to happen. Um, and, and, and that's it, you know, I mean, it's game over. Like, for example, the likes of Nike, you know, Nike have got stores all over the world. They stock loads of stores all over the world. They, you know, have a massive online presence. You know, for somebody like Nike, they probably thought, well, they can never be touched. And, and while that is true to a certain extent, you know, they are, you know, a giant corporation with massive amounts of, of res, you know, reserves and assets. At the same time, they have had to, you know, for, for a good period of time, they've had to shut down their operations. And that's right the way across the board, uh, you know, because, yeah, some people are still buying Nike trainers and things like that, but knowing the uh, the amounts that were, um, you know, I know they shut loads of their like stores in China and things like that. It's just affected all of the you know all these different corporations. But then at the same time, you've got the likes of Amazon where their share prices increased mass- massively. Mm. I guess on the flip side of that, you well, you've got what you're saying. You've got the businesses that are extremely successful, and you kind of never would expect them to be in a position that they're in. But then on the flip side, you've got um, the the people that are kind of um, not necessarily frowned upon, but the jobs that are not necessarily sought after, like the cleaners. How important are cleaners at the minute? Like that's you know not a job that is as I said well sought after, but they have an extremely important role to play in like the recovery and the management of yeah. this crisis. People that stock shelves, that's a job that people always joke about, isn't it? And wrongly so, but you know, you're going to stock shelves in Tesco, as we've all heard that saying, but like that is such a crucial role in this. Like, you know, how are we going to get our toilet paper if yeah. stock in the shelves? Delivery drivers, like no one's getting their takeaway food and businesses would be struggling probably more than they already are if no one was delivering their food. So like those kind of jobs, it makes us reconsider the importance of them. Mm. Um, because obviously in this crisis, like they are very much needed yeah yeah i i really like that as well i think there was a tweet that i seen a couple of days ago where it, and it said something along the lines of um was it fi- finally we've realized that um that doctors nurses um supermarket workers delivery drivers and you know something else are more important than you know than, than footballers and superstars and celebrities mm. and things like that yeah, you know they yeah, they've and uh, I love what's going on in the UK at the moment. I don't know if it's any. I think it's just yeah, it would be just in the UK because it's for the NHS um, and all frontline workers. Where at eight PM every Thursday, people are going outside their homes and they're clapping and cheering, and you know you hear some fireworks being set off and things like that. Um, you know, and like I said, when I went to pick up my veg yesterday, it was Thursday yesterday. Um, I walked over to the beach for like you know half hour, hour, whatever, and then I was as I was walking back. Bearing in mind, I'm in the middle of Gawa. There's no, there's hardly anyone around. You know what I mean? There's nobody near me, certainly. Uh, there's not many houses in the vicinity and stuff. And uh, I kind of, I took my earphones out because I could hear something. 
And all I could hear was just this roar of cheering coming from across the hill and over the hills, um, you know, and up on top of the, but well, yeah, just like, you know, a mile over that way or two miles over that way and stuff. And I could hear these, these massive cheers clapping and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. Cause you know, and, and that's in a rural area, you know, for, by all accounts, but yeah, it's, I, I love the support that's going out now and the appreciation to not only the, you know, the NHS workers, but to, you know, all frontline kind of staff. So the supermarket workers and things like that, you know, my father's a postman, so he's essentially a frontline worker now as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's well known, isn't it, that appreciated people will always do more than is expected of them. And I think it's mm -hmm. fair to say the NHS are doing far more than was ever expected of them when they first signed their job contract however long ago. So oh, it's definitely yeah. right that they're getting the recognition. And same for people that are stocking shelves, cleaning delivery driving like recognition yeah it's how amazing are people when they just come together and do shit like that and yeah and you know what coming together is I, I think the fact that we've been told in this instance that we need to keep apart um and people are taking those precautions and i think they are they obviously they are you know they need to be they, those precautions need to be adhered to because of everything that's going on at the same time we're we, we, we are social beings, human beings are social beings. We want to be around other people. We want to be connected with others. That's our great, greatest kind of superpower, realistically, you know, in terms of how we've evolved from cavemen, cave mm. women. Um, you know, we, you know, we discovered bio, but we actually discovered community. We got people together in groups and work together and uses that use our kind of collective consciousness, our collective intelligence and stuff like that to, to push ourselves forward and to get to the point that we are in life now and i think at the same with what's going on now it's really trying to it's, it's almost dragging us apart but you can see we're like magnets humans are we trying to you know although we're getting pulled apart by this this virus and the social restrictions and stuff that are in place that 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 kind of human connection still dragging us back together you know you've seen that in italy where they're all on the balconies and they're clapping and cheering singing songs you people got you got people playing piano people djing from the balconies um you know you've got it in uh in spain and places like that as well um you know it, it's you really start to see the community you know that community come back together i know russell brand talks about this a lot in his well he's not just his podcast but in a lot of different videos i've seen about russell brand where he talks about you know how eventually he believes that we're going to go back to having smaller pockets of communities uh working together and feed you know helping each other you know in terms of the food that they make creating and, their own kind you know, of ecosystem that's it yeah 100 percent. creating little little micro ecosystems right the way throughout and i think that's that's something that needs to happen because especially if you're in living in big cities because smaller villages have still got that mentality to a big extent um you know and you know further in west wales for example i know there's smaller towns and they have they have got more of a community vibe and you still go and see your neighbor and help your neighbor out and things like that whereas in bigger cities mm -hmm. there's so many people and you know there's so much going on and there's so much kind of the hustle and bustle we we do tend to forget about those you know the, just slowing down and taking the time to to be with other people in in our network in our community and stuff and it's much harder i think to to create community communities in bigger cities because everybody's in their own little pocket their own little um bubble to some, to some extent yeah. No, 100% agree. Like we argue that we're so much more connected now more than ever because we've got the internet and we've got our phones, but in actual fact, we're not. We're, we're the most disconnected we've probably ever been. Yeah. And we're, we're always kind of arguing that, um, I don't know if you've, in fact, I've told you about this book, Lost Connections by Johan Hari. I cannot 
cannot rate it enough. Like I speak about it all the time, but um, I think it's something that speaks about the fact that um, we're always kind of being encouraged to do things on our own. Like, come on, you've got this, you can do this. Like, you don't need nobody. I don't need nobody. I'm independent. Mm -hmm. I can do this myself. On that, in actual fact, defies like everything that we have ever evolved from, which is to, to thrive and survive in a herd. So you're telling people to go against the grain. Mm. And apparently that's one of the leading causes of like depression and anxiety at the minute is because we're not connected enough in any sense, even though we are arguing now that we are more connected than ever. Yeah. But, um, a, there was, I was thinking about the other day around like how humans are behaving in this coronavirus thing, just going back to what you were saying earlier. And it was kind of reminding me of ants. Right. I don't know if you've ever like watched ants when they're in their little kind of on a, on a mission you know there's a load of ants all doing their little march and if you put mm. something in front of them they will either all start going over it or they'll all start going around it I feel yeah. like we are like ants in the sense that we're so adaptable so no matter what you know no matter what gets put in front of us or no matter what gets taken away from us we will just keep going around oh we'll try anyway then okay well now we're gonna have to close all the borders okay well now we're gonna have to stay home like we we just adapt and we just yeah it's amazing to just see that the whole world like collectively has just learned to cope with this in yeah, such a short space of time yeah and, and i think you know in terms of the like businesses and things like that as well I, I was talking i think on the last podcast about this um you know or talking to somebody about it anyway about how yeah how businesses have adapted in a very very quick way in order to keep their business going um and mm. and that's not that's not just businesses but that's people within um you know work environments i think as well you know we've had to adapt to this new schedule this new life but i think we have managed to do this within a matter of you know matter of weeks naturally because we've been forced to do so you know we have been told by the government right you know we've you, you've got to stay in um but I think, you know, you look at the UK and we have had restrictions imposed on us, but not on a massive scale. Whereas like Dubai, for example, Dubai, you know, you, you're literally, you've got to have a paper to go out and you can only go to the shop to get supplies uh, or medical supplies. And then you've got to go straight back. And that's the same system that they've integrated. They integrated in China uh, from the podcast they did with Stephen and who was in uh, an hour away from the epicenter in mm -hmm. Wuhan. Yeah, and he said that that was, you know, they imposed a strict lockdown in those areas, whereas in the UK, they haven't imposed that strict lockdown. They've done it gradually by locking things down and stopping the pubs, you know, shutting the pubs and things like that, and the restaurants. And naturally, that stopped people from going out. There are still people out and about and doing things and still going to, you know, work in certain jobs and things like that. Um, but it, it's nowhere near as busy as it, as it would be usually. And... I think you know, due to that as well, people are like naturally people are keeping the the two meter distance between one another. I think I think naturally it's going to bring the you know it's, well, it will bring the, the kind of the curve down hugely, just from just from doing that. But I think you know we're we're fortunate that they haven't really locked us down the same way. Yeah, it's pretty much the same here to be honest. Mm. We're still allowed to go on about. Yeah, well, it's all going to get better soon enough anyway. We're, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, we, we don't know when, but it's gonna, it's gonna happen, and that's, I think, that's the important thing for people to, to, to remember is that this is going to pass the same thing, you know, the same way everything this else is passing. Pass. You know, this too shall pass, yeah, indeed. I have, re I just really, really hope that someone has been doing a lot of surveys prior to this happening, 
yeah. in order for us to do them afterwards to kind of measure where people are at and people's mindsets and people's perspectives and people's choices and people's values. Like, I hope somebody is measuring that shit because that interests me. <laughs> I want to see that. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. I'd I'd love to know if there are people doing like that. I, I'll, I'll I'll have a look into that actually. I'll see if I can I can find if there are any studies which are going on where this is happening. End of my way. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll have a little look into that. Um, okay. What uh, just to end the podcast? What uh, idea would you like to see happen in the world, and why? This is something I do every every podcast. So, so there's an idea that I have for me that I would like to do but obviously see on a bigger scale beyond just me as well um I guess like so I know that there's obviously like a lot of funding at the minute for like um sustainable businesses and youth unemployment so something that incorporates the two and I've said this for years and I've just never been in a position to kind of fully um pursue it but I would absolutely love 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 to have a business that upcycled furniture um and made things from recyclable materials, but employs young people. Um, young people that are 16 to 19 that have just kind of left school that don't have um, a destination beyond that. So they've got no education or employment beyond school. Um, essentially to employ them to make the upcycled or recycled um, items for sale, um, but to upskill them. So to give them the skills to make them employable or to make them more employable and mm. um, using youth work approaches and principles. So like building good relationships with them so that they actually want to come to work and that they, they become a reliable employee using good communication skills with them, um, working with them on like an even playing field. So, you know, giving them a voice in the business as well, not just, you know, me being the boss or whoever being the boss, giving them, making it quite democratic like a democratic workplace hmm. um so that when they leave they have um some sort of accreditation so i'd love for it to be accredited um for them to then you know go on and become more employable essentially and to go into further employment because it's, it's it's commonly known isn't it like 16 year olds and this is to speak generally and it's obviously based on a stereotype but are not the most employable they're not the most reliable hmm. so like to be the middle person in between that, to build the relationships with them and to upskill them, to get them to where they want to be with whatever their goals are, mm. um, that would be unreal. Like, I would love that. And I will get to that point at some point, but if anyone else wants to beat me to it, then get have me you, involved. Uh, have you got the, well, I was going to say, nobody nobody can do things, you know, with, with, obviously that's a passion, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's something that you, you, you've held for a long time. It's a passion that you've got um you know and something that you'd love to do so like I, th- I i strongly believe that although people can you know like if there's a like a you know an, an innovative an innovative idea and things like that people can never do it to the extent that the person who's truly passionate and, and driven about it can can do it does that make sense yeah totally like it definitely derives from a passion which is mm. helping people to achieve mm. their own goals young people mostly that's where my skills next expertise lie but also you know having like a sustainable um business that's good for the planet like that's they're both based on my core values and something that i feel extremely passionate about so yeah you're definitely right like doing a job without passion is almost pointless like meaningless Mm. no i think you you definitely do need to do that and i'd love to see the uh, well i will see the progression of it but uh yeah and anything i can help with let me know um also actually we i didn't bring this up um your blog 
do you want to talk about your uh, your vlog, the story of my quarter life crisis? <laughs> we've kind of covered a lot of topics in it with what we've spoken about anyway I guess mm. um you know like trust in the process um being like a product of your environment so who you spend most mm. your time with but yeah the blog I started writing it like years and years ago um mm. just before I started traveling and I guess like the target audience of it is people our age it's called the story of my quarter life crisis you're kind of at a point where you know people are becoming extremely successful but you've also got people in your life that are still waking up on people's sofas on a Sunday morning, a bit hungover. Like you've kind of got like this, these two different aspects of your life and you're not really sure where you're going and you're kind of just bumbling along, hoping that things are going to work out, trying your hardest. So I guess it just kind of is, that's the target, like the target audience, people that are in their twenties mm. that don't have like a, a real definitive direction. They kind of know where they want to go with, with their life, but there's nothing kind of set in stone and like the obstacles and the kind of the challenges that we might face along the way in that quarter life phase i guess i and i've read a good few of the articles as well and i uh, i absolutely love it how can people find it if they wanted to google it or would they have to go through your social media or if you go on my instagram which is behind you there is a link on there mm -hmm. and i'll take mm -hmm. you straight to my page yeah yeah i'm not sure you probably i don't know if you can see that guys but it's at sarah maxwell 92 um so if you go onto instagram uh you can get a link to the the blog on there and it's definitely worth a look because i've uh, like i said i've read a good few of the uh the articles now and i absolutely love it i think there's you know definitely people which will be you'll 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 fight you'll take something from you know the articles wherever happens so take that you know have a little look at that guys um thank you for doing this by the way sarah um i'll let you go to bed now because it's probably about 10 o'clock for you is it? or 10 30. <laughs> it's 20 past 10 i've still got a tiny bit of wine left but yeah i feel like maybe i'll have a cup of tea and head off the bed soon but thank you so much for having me that's okay. Not a problem at all. This will um well if you uh if you follow ideas and beers as well, guys, on Instagram, so that's at ideasbeers.co. Um also on Facebook, or you've got the website which is www.ideasbeers.co. Uh, and like I said, if you follow our, uh, Sarah Maxwell on Instagram as well, so Sarah Maxwell92, well at Sarah Maxwell92 for Instagram. All right. Cheers. That's me. Bye. Amazing. Thanks, Ryan.